Welcome to the World of Horror Podcast, Season 4, Episode 12. I'm Mom. And I'm Mac. This is the podcast where we share our love of international horror. Fear is universal, but we are not afraid of subtitles. Wowers! <laughs> this week, my genre pick is Possession. We reviewed Possessor from Canada and Metamorphosis from Korea. Before we get into it, fair warning, these discussions will include spoilers and spicy language. Let's move on to our first segment, Mom and Mac Chat. Hi, Mac. How's it going? Hi, Mom. It's going well. You know, it's the end of June. That's that's kind of crazy. And you know what? I'm just trying to have a positive outlook on things best as I can. Yes. <laughs> Not easy as we record this uh, as our our country descends further into fascism. But, you know, just trying to forget about it. <laughs> I I know I really um just tried not to you know look at a lot of news stories or like think about the implications or fear what's coming next. I haven't been very successful with that. I have done a lot of art and I've been working out a lot, so that's that's good. good. That's a good like channeling. If you have a lot of just like, I feel like art and exercise are probably the two best places to put that. <laughs> but I also want to revamp my one of my courses for the fall. And today, talking to my friends, I decided what I'm going to do. But now I just have to do what it. Do? Okay, so I'm going to do four modules in 16 weeks. Mm -hmm. So four weeks per topic. And the topics will be critical thinking religion, the meaning of life and death, personal identity. That's good. So at the end, it's going to be like, who even are you? Who are you? <laughs> I like that. But I have to, you know, now I have to get all technical with it. Like, what's the product that they're going to do at the end of each module? Because I don't want to do mm. any more tests. I mean, you. God bless you for that. Because, I mean... I was just thinking about this the other day. Now I'm just a few years out of college, you know. Four? Oh, my God. <laughs> that kind of just hit me like a truck. Um, <laughs> and this isn't even me trying to toot my own horn. It's just I graduated summa cum laude. Do I remember much of anything? No. And the stuff that I do remember, was it the stuff that I remember because I studied it real hard? No. Like, <laughs> the stuff that I remember the most was the most applied learning things. And I don't, it's just, it, it really, not that it's easy to get like a 4.0 or anything, but it, it doesn't necessarily correlate with intelligence, you know, in, yeah. in the, in the way our, our, the way America does it. Like, just if you if you, I got really good at getting my short term memory down, but that does not translate to long term memory. And I wish I had learned. I wish they had taught me differently. So you're great for doing that. 
Yeah, but I, I have to make it so it doesn't involve a lot of grading on my part. So I think I think we're going to do like in-class presentations. That's good. Because that's another skill. I mean, I know people have a fear of public speaking, but you got to get over it. I mean, there are very few jobs when you don't have to like speak, at least in front of a small group. And I will tell you, Coming from my past job, which had a bunch of researchers, I had to watch so many people who had no business giving a presentation, give a presentation. And if you're not good at it, people won't listen to you. It's just true. I've been looking at other people's courses and stuff. And one guy, he does have tests, but he also has a dialogue assignment where you have to work with somebody else and you just like basically talk about the topic. He has three of them per semester. The first one is 10 minutes. The second one is 20 minutes. The last one is 30 minutes. How how does he make sure that they're not just like, because sometimes when I do that all the time in class, but sometimes we would just be like, you know, it's just like not doing anything. Like, well, you have to upload an audio file and your transcript. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, That's but I'm not I'm not listening to 30 minutes. No. No. Because listening, you can't even read it. You have to listen to it. I bet he does that shit on like triple speed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen to stuff like sped up? Yes. Okay. Well, I always do it with like audiobooks because just I've tested it and just in my head I'm like, well, listen, if 1.2 sounds the same as 1 you'll you'll sometimes i just get so surprised where i'm like oh i'm already done with this book amazing it feels like you get free time back okay that makes sense i just listened to heart-shaped box by joe hill i tried to read that when i was that was one of the very first horror novels i'd never finished it but like when i was a kid reading it it scared the shit out of me and i keep thinking like should i try but i hated the way that the main man was like written because he just mm-hmm. seemed like a douche. Sorry, it's just I really remember specifically reading that while sitting while you were tutoring people. Um, oh, uh-huh. and houses and stuff. Well, yeah, but he there's a there's an arc. Oh, okay. you know, so yeah. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. It's, it's eleven hours mm. at like regular speed, um, but I've been doing these really long walks, and then also sort of. So the idea is you're only supposed to listen to the audiobook when you walk mm. so that you walk more. Mm. But I cheated. I listened to it in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and then I downloaded the other two, I think, that he had on Scribd. Mm-hmm. And one is short stories and the black phone is in there. Mm. And uh, Quinn and I made a deal with each other not to see it until we can watch it together. Aww. I I really need to get back into listening to my books because I'm listening to two books, The Song of Achilles by Madison Miller. One of my viewers told me to read that and I do really like it. And I'm also listening to this book by Mira Grant called Into the Dark Deep, which is just like horror uh mermaids. What if mermaids <laughs> were real? <laughs> Well, I mean, The Lighthouse. I mean, what a great movie. I love that movie so much. Oh, my goodness. 
it makes me afraid to see the North Man. Mm. Well, we should see that together because I keep seeing that it's like for streaming. And I just don't think I want to watch it alone. I feel like we should watch that together. Oh, okay. I'll totally watch it with you. It's on Peacock. Yeah. 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 No, I'll totally watch it with you since we're going to do the Vavitch. The Witch. Oh, yeah. The Vavitch. Do you want to rewatch The Late House? Yes. Okay. I've only seen it once. Yeah, me so too. It's about, about time I see it again. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> it's so good. That's I really love Willem Dafoe. Like he's like, mm-hmm. I mean, Rob Pattinson, love him. He's fine. But that's Willem Dafoe's movie. I feel like he eats that thing up. Yeah. He's so good. Did you ever see, it's not really your kind of movie, but did you ever see The Florida Project? No. What is that? It's about a project. Um across from Disney World and uh-huh. the people who live in the in the project and the 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 janitor man is Willem Dafoe. Well, now I got to watch. Yeah, it. it's a great performance. It used to be on Prime, I don't know if it still is. It's uh you know, there's some dark stuff in there, but his performance is very very good. Okay, wait, I need, need, need to do a descriptor. It's his his performance is very nuanced that's a word you hear on podcasts a lot nuanced mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know how some actors if you're like watching the actor and you're like okay that's like george clooney you know acting like a lawyer mm-hmm. but with some other yes. actors it's like that they're a different person yes yes that's how i feel about him in the lighthouse where it's just like oh my god this man is I like I would like I get goosebumps watching his like monologue because I feel like if you were actually in that room too, you'd be like, holy <laughs> shit, you know, whereas some other performances, you're just like, you did the thing. Great. You did it. You did your job. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think in Possessor, which we'll get to shortly, you know, I think I think the those performances are like, immersive. Ah, that's another word. Whoa, I'm trying to expand my vocabulary so I don't just say that everything's awesome all the time. Do you do you want to get into it, Mac? Let's get into it. Well, you said you're good. Did I ask you how you're doing? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm fine. I um Okay. Oh, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to come visit me next week. Okay. Sure. Because I'm, I'm trying to be more social. Because my friend Quinn is out of town for like three weeks and I know she'll eventually come back, but then I know she's also taking another trip before we go back to school. And my other friend that I hang out with a lot, I'm house sitting for her, not house, I'm cat sitting for her when she goes to Italy for a week in July with her husband. Come on, people. So like today, I literally invited myself over to my friend, my friend's house. I'm like, can I come over? I mean, I asked them a couple of days ago. They said, yeah, and we'll make you lunch. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So I'm on my okay. way. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How, what's a good length of time for a visit? Oh, I feel like I'm like the wrong person to ask about this because I, I also would like to know. <laughs> because I, okay. Cause great friend of mine, 
my good friend Max, who I used to work with, but now obviously we don't work together anymore. I hadn't seen them in a while, so I invited them over on Thursday. They came over at 11, and it, when it hit about 3, I legit like looked at my like I like pointedly looked at my phone and looked at them and I said it's about that time, <laughs> and they said all right <laughs> and they left. I hope that's a good enough time. I just didn't when my social battery went to zero. Yeah, I was there for three hours twenty minutes and that was too long. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think maybe around the three hour mark. But it was really nice because everybody in the household is a uh, vegetarian or vegan mm. except for the grandma but we had impossible burgers <gasps> love those grilled so sweet impossible. corn and uh, i don't know potato salad and watermelon but oh my gosh i've never had an impossible burger isn't it good it's very good i want to eat them all the time now they're like it's such a interesting taste i really really like it and i love the texture I think it's fine that it doesn't taste 100% like meat, but I will remember one time I went to a vegan like restaurant and our waitress was like, was like, oh, you got the Impossible Burger? I'll tell you, it's just like meat. I haven't had meat in 25 years. <laughs> like, when I tried it, I was like, you have not had meat in 25 years. <laughs> like, it does not taste <laughs> it shows. like that's fine. I, I liked it better than I liked, like, I don't know burger yeah i I was i like soy chicken more than regular chicken Ooh, you know what i like is morning star buffalo chicken patties Ooh, i like morning star corn dogs yeah they they do a good job over there at morning star shout out to morning star (laughs) 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 um yeah so uh, yeah working out doing a lot of art thinking about my course trying to be more social and not think about the news. It's all you can yeah, do. I, I guess. guess. Well, there's a protest. I can't. I think it's tomorrow. So there's that. But um, God damn it, this fucking theocracy that we're living in. I know. <laughs> it's like you you have to laugh or you're gonna cry all the time. I know. It's quite precisely it. <laughs> I truly am just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, like this morning I woke up with butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, what? Oh, God. Like, what am I nervous about? Oh, yeah. Oh, the, oh, the everything. <laughs> it's the end of my country. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. It's, yeah, so stressful. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Awkward transition. Do you want to do metamorphosis first? Yeah. Okay. Our first movie is Metamorphosis, which came out in 2019. Alternative name Munchen? But Bunchen. Bunchen. Came out in 2019 and it was directed by Hong Sun Kim and written by Kim Hyung Ji. It stars Bae Sung Woo as Jong Su, who is the priest, mm-hmm. um, Song Dong Il as Gong Gu, who is the dad, Zhang Yom Nam as Myung Ju, the wife, 
Kim Hae-jun as Sun-woo, who is also in Kingdom, and <laughs> as the Forgotten Sister, Cho, Cho Yi-hyun as Hyun-ju, and lastly, Kim Kang-hoon as Woo-jung, the, the young boy. It was released in August 21st, 2019. It has a runtime of 113 minutes. And I realized watching this that the last time I watched Thirst, I got it confused with this movie. Like, cause I, during Thirst, I kept thinking, like, where's the exorcism scene? <laughs> <laughs> I just kept thinking of the scene from the beginning because it's a very good scene. And that, that's the first thing I will say is, in my opinion, first half of this movie, incredible. I'll just be treating them as if they're two separate things. <laughs> So before we even get the title card, we see um, a priest is performing an exorcism on a young girl. We got a lot of really cool practical effects and makeup here. Like she looks fucked up. Like her skin looks slimy and like bulging and stuff. And I really like the effect of when he's trying to exercise this demon out of her, there's like this big lump like in her neck and then it moves up, you know, and it's kind of like the the spirit escaping her comes out as like black smoke. Um, very, very cool. It, the, the exorcism does not go right. This demon is very, very good at mimicry and tricks the priest. She ends up sitting backward on a window pane, curses the priest. She's like, listen, <laughs> it's over for you, your family, your family's family. I'm going to fuck you all up. We see the girl's mother in the same room. Um, she's supposed to be waiting outside. She's speaking in unison with the demon girl. He's trying, she then tries to jump out of the window. He tries to hold on to her, but she bites him and then lands, getting impaled on the spiked gate below. And then we see the shot of all these crows. Yeah. And there's one crow sitting upside down and it has the same yellow eyes as the demon girl from the beginning. <gasps> <laughs> this scene is so memorable to me because it's just great it like this could be i don't know th this is a great opening mm -hmm. and it actiony and really fucked up and scary does is this the part where the demon is like praying like in latin along with the priest I, d I don't think it's this part, because I think that happens later. No, that happens with, with Sangwoo, but that part is great. Okay, okay. Because I, I thought that was pretty good because, well, okay, this is not a great movie. No. It's not all great. It, I mean, it's like half of a great movie. <laughs> but there are things that they do in this movie that I haven't seen before. And granted, I, I'm not an expert on, like, exorcism movies, but... To have the demon like cross herself yeah. and like be saying the prayers along it's with the priest, scary. like yeah, yada yada yada. <laughs> yeah, I heard the shit before. I think that's scary. Yeah. Like you are, you have no control in the situation. And that, oh, I do think that this is a great scene as well because so after that <laughs> opening, we then see we get introduced to the main family of the story. So we've got a mom, dad, young kid. Young young boy um, and two teenage daughters. And the younger teenage daughter, Hyungju, just gets off the bat. She's kind of giving us a little bit of the exposition through complaining. She's looking at her phone and it seems that she's kind of been bullied out of school. Like her locker was super defaced because this is the story that came out 
the mother of the girl who died in the failed exorcism was behind the door the entire time. So she at no point was in the room. And that was just the the devil tricking the uh, priest. So when the daughter had gotten, you know, died, since the mom didn't see anything, she just completely blamed the priest and then even started spreading really nasty rumors about it. Because apparently the girl couldn't walk. So how did she get to the window? So this family is, is it the, is, is the priest the brother of the dad? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's the kid's uncle, and they've also just been getting the same amount of flack that he's getting. So they've basically been like, let's just move. And everybody's kind of not happy about it. Mom's not happy. Uh, young Ju's not happy. Sun Wu is just kind of trying to keep it together with the with the youngest. And so they start moving in. They still have the uncle's religious paraphernalia, and mom tells Sun Wu, like, I don't want to see that anymore. Like, just put all that stuff in the basement. And that night we see or we hear there is a really weird squishy nasty noise because they have a next door neighbor they they live in like this big home and car park and stuff like that but they have a neighbor that's really close to them kind of like a suburban house like they kind of are right right on top of each other and they just hear these nasty noises in the middle of the night so that's unsettling so the next day dad goes to work and we see this really adorable chair that Wujong has. It's his favorite chair. It there's a, a painting, like a children's portrait of like the whole family on it, and you can tell who everyone is. I think they do a really good job of that because they also show us like a family portrait at one point. I don't know. They some some movies do not do a good enough job with this many characters establishing who everybody is, but I think this movie does a good job with that. Mm-hmm. So he he. Wujong calls his his uncle because he's kind of like, hey, has anybody talked to uncle? And everybody's like, no. <laughs> wait, wait one sec. But Wujong put the chair there to oh, save yes, his dad's parking place. That's, he said, I'll save your spot. Oh, it's really sweet. And so Wujong calls his uncle. We actually see that now he's, he's doing some field work with like cabbages and gets off the phone with Wujong and the uncle then talks to um, a head priest who comes up, talks to him, and he's like, hey, by the way, is it cool if I leave the priesthood? And he's like, no, the diocese has not approved it. But there's this overseas mission. Maybe you want to go over there while, you know, everybody, let make every, let everybody forget about your incident. So next we see a skinned cat is found hanging outside of their window. Hyungju faints. She gets sent to the hospital. Everybody's obviously really freaked out. So family gets home and they also see that Wujong's chair has been run over by the neighbor's truck. So not only me did take the dad's parking spot and he just ran over this beautiful chair and dad is getting fed up. So dad goes to confront the neighbor. The neighbor's house is fucking creepy. It's raining. There's a skeleton in the (laughs) garden, animals hanging about. It smells really bad. The dad gets so curious. He walks in. And just the room, this is like a beautiful set piece. The room is just adorned, like ceiling to floor with animal skins and carcasses. And just, it's so disgusting. And he's just like blown away. So he's just looking at it. He eventually accidentally steps on something and it's a carcass. Um, There's a bloody statue of Mary with the head at like a, a strange angle. 
important motif. And <laughs> he walks back and accidentally backs into the neighbor. The neighbor, I love this guy's face. He's got like all these acne scars and just is very like imposing and creepy. And and the guy just stands there and looks at him. So he just leaves. <laughs> the dad's really afraid of confrontation. So that night, neighbor's making noise again. They're like, okay, we can't do this. So dad calls up the police. Oh, okay. Well, now the neighbor's all friendly. It's like a totally different person. The the cops go up and talk to him and he's like, they're like, hey, buddy, like, what what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I make carpets. Yeah, I'm making fabrics right now. And they're like, well, you just really shouldn't be doing that in the middle of the night. <laughs> and the dad, of course, I mean, when we think about what the dad has seen, he's like, He's now now he's all tough too because he's got all of these police guys around him. I really liked this scene because I think this dad is portrayed so realistically of how people actually are. Like we're all we're all wusses. Do you think I could I could never go into somebody's house and be like, hey, what the fuck are all these animal carcasses? But if you had like ten police officers around you, you'd be like, hey, and there's some weird shit in that guy's apartment or in his house. So. <laughs> So he's really stinking up a storm. He's like, no, he's being, and the dad's being rude. And he's like, this guy's house is, you got to check him out. He also put a dead cat in my window. He shows them all the photo. So they're like, hey, sir, can we check your house? He's like, oh, I mean, sure. Well, it's clean. No carcasses. The dad is just like, he's like, but it was here. (laughs) And the cops are like, you know, just, just let it go. You know, he apologized. It's fine. Neighbor gives a creepy face back to the dad, so we know that definitely he is creepy. We see a ton of crows over the neighbor's house, so we know he is affiliated with whoever this is. So (laughs) (laughs) I love how you said this. Did it remind you of that at all? I know they were pigeons, but did it did you get any Noroi the curse vibes? Okay. Well, I I mean I love that motif anywhere whenever it's like I don't know, even the animals, like I have them a bit under my control or something Mm. like that. It's just so spooky. I love how you wrote this. Back at Handsome Priest headquarters, he is praying. He has such a cute little room. Again, the set design in this movie is great. Yeah. I think think Korean movies, from what I've seen, they know how to fucking set up a house. It gave me um, Tale of Two Sisters vibes. I was going to say that. Yeah. Because also there was a lot of sick looking young girls and um, that happens a lot in Tale of Two Sisters. <laughs> um, okay. So he's in his little, you know, priest room. A window opens, it knocks a bunch of shit over, and the ghost of the dead girl who died in the exorcism is on the ceiling, telling him that his guilt makes her stronger. There's blood literally raining down from the ceiling, and he's sitting down and praying and looking up at her. And I love this next part. It's so scary. And then he wakes up. It was a nightmare. And in the exact same sweep, he looks back up where we had a previous jump scare of her. And you almost like jump scare yourself as the audience because you're like, <laughs> you know, but but there's nothing there. I thought that was a really great scene. He lights up a cigarette. He's like, fuck. So this scene. Oh, um, man. Yeah, this is a rough scene. So now the devil has, tr- now this demon has truly come to fuck with this family. So Hyunju, the, the bratty daughter, she 
is sleeping in her bed and somebody pulls off her comforter. She sits up and somebody grabs her hair and like pulls her head back down onto the pillow. And when she looks up, and this is so like the way that this is positioned, it's so scary. She looks up, you know, and like looming over her is her dad. And um, he then with the comforter not on her and she's just wearing like a t-shirt and shorts he like leers down at her body and says something like you know you you're wow you're really growing up and then leaves and she just is obviously traumatized the next morning there is a weird little crack in the family portrait where the dad's head is and when she sits down at the table everybody's eating there for breakfast he it's normal dad now he comes back in and he's like hey like you know good morning and she's obviously and that's also just what makes the scene so rough is because like i just feel for her so badly that she has to just and you know sit there and so she's like i i have to go you know to school mom is also acting a bit strangely she's not really responding to anyone they all sit down and start eating uh, food and she just began stuffing her face with the food, just you know, eating it with her hands, really going whole hog. Um, and everybody's just kind of looking at her like, okay. Wu Jung then spits out a little bit of breakfast and he's like, oh, it tastes weird. It's too salty. Mom is like, what? She picks up with her hands a bunch of it and sticks it in her mouth, eats it up, and says, like, I think it tastes fine grabs more with her hand and pushes it in his face and goes like, here, eat it. And obviously he starts crying. And I just, this scene is amazing because it's so (laughs) horrible. Like, I think this movie is great with these two scenes, just showing you how, like, this is why I like this movie is like the psychological torment. It could be just from somebody who you love doing something so weird and so like malicious towards you for like with so much hatred and if they've never done that before that would be so terrifying like put the poor kids crying because that would be the scariest you would just be like what's happening i don't even know what i did and that's just what is like to me breathtaking about this movie is uh that like psychological like torment they're all going through because everybody's dealing with it differently you know mom goes up and leaves so next we have handsome priest again. He's like, all right, yeah, let me go on this mission. I want to get the fuck out of here. Nightmares abound everywhere here. So the priest gives him um, the cross of the dead girl. The, yeah, the, her, her necklace that she had had. Her mom brought it back and said that she forgave him for what happened and that she apologized for spreading those rumors. Very nice. That night, dad comes home from work and mom is just sitting watching TV and just like, laughing she's like hey like how's your day what's up and he sits down next to her and he's like what 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 was wrong with you this morning and she's like what do you mean i was hanging out with so and so and he just kind of looks at her and is like okay and again this is just amazing about this character of the dad is who why why doesn't he keep pressing her <laughs> but it makes sense like it's in character for him to just kind of be like okay um, I would just rather pretend like this didn't happen. You know, if that's what you're going to do, fine. Yeah. And that's such a, that's the bad way to go about it, but that is what people do. So next we see Sun Wu showering. Hyungju comes into the room while she's showering and 
gets really creepy is like standing in the shower or like um in the bathroom while Sun Woo's in the shower and asks her like, aren't you, isn't it like so tiring being the oldest sibling? Like parents just keep popping out kids like one after another, like probably should just kill us, you know? Like, <laughs> but th- again, the writing here I love because it is just like the evilest, most like cruelest way to think about somebody's situation. And like maybe at one point, as the oldest sister, she's kind of been like, Ugh. Uh-huh. but like, she's never thought about it like that, you know? And so it's just also sowing so many seeds of just like, you're bad too, because this is what you think of, right? You know? And it just is so weird. Sun Woo is the only normal person of this household. So she goes immediately and confronts Hyun Ju about it. Hyun Ju's been in her room this whole time, and she kind of like looks around. So we know it's obviously because she's feeling weird about what had happened last night. She's like, I have to talk to you. And she basically tells her, you know, everything that happened and notices the mom being weird this morning. And she's like, this place is making us go crazy. Dad comes in then and just is being so rude. He's like, what are you guys talking about? Calls them bitches. He is such a creepy scene where they're, he's like, giving them this horrible, creepy monologue, and he slowly reaches in, and in a pen cup, there's this exacto knife with all these cute stickers on it, too, and, like, slowly pulls out the blade, and <laughs> he throws Sunwoo down the stairs by her hair. Hyunju then goes to her, and dad, the dad walks slowly towards them. Hyunju then uh, goes to hide in the kitchen. This scene is also amazing, because... They've got kind of got like a kitchen island and we've got mm. all these cool shots of like, like you said, like a canted angle of of him trying to find her and her kind of getting away just at the last moment. So she's covering her mouth, trying not to make a sound. He then gets a hammer. He looks in the place where she is, but she's not there. Sunwoo wakes up and calls for Hyunju. She turns and the dad is there. He swings a hammer at... Uh, Hyunju, or no, at Sunwoo. Hyunju hits him with a pan over the head, and he has no reaction. So the dad then drops the hammer and walks into a different room. They're just sitting on the on the like landing, the, like the yeah, the landing, just horrified. Real dad now comes walking up the stairs, and he's like, "Hey, like, what's what's up?" And they're cowering in fear from him again. One of my favorite scenes in like the whole movie is just everybody reacting to everybody else's differed perceptions of them now. And so now mom picks up the hammer. Now she's the mimic and starts attacking the dad with it. The dad shields Hyunju and she gets in a few really good lands into his arm. Then she smiles and goes into a room and she walks barefoot onto a piece of glass and it cuts right through her foot. No blood. Mm. And then real mom walks up the stairs, everything's normal. So they all kind of figure out, like, okay, something's weird. There's a lot of cutting back and forth. The priest, the uncle, is showing a video of him performing an exorcism with another priest. This is just a great exorcism scene. Just another one sprinkled in here for us. And he he has a great like speech here where he talks about who this happened to was like this kid lost his parents or something. Something tragic happened to the kid who got possessed. And he says that the devil attacks people who are vulnerable and who have pent up anger. 
And some student is like, why? And he says, well, anger paralyzes reason and creates resentment towards God, which makes it the easiest place for like a devil to get in. Now, I am not religious and I don't think you necessarily need to have like, I don't personally think you need to have a relationship with, or like I don't to, you know, be in control of your feelings and stuff. But I think this is still a great way to think about it, you know, Mm -hmm. of like you are vulnerable to resentment. I think, or paranoia or stuff like that, the stuff that this mimic is creating in this family, you're not necessarily vulnerable to getting possessed by a demon, but. (laughs) No, you could, I mean, you could think about it. Like if you, if you replace the word God with the word love, then, you know, you could look at it in like psychological terms. And we've all experienced that where you can't think straight. You're so angry that. If somebody said, I love you, you'd be like, fuck you. I don't want that. You don't understand. Like, I'm just so furious. I'm filled with rage. And you you can't let that in because that's the only thing you can feel in that moment. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. You're smart. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) So then uh, Sunwoo calls the uncle, finally. Again, the only normal person in this family. And she says that something weird is happening. The dad then chimes in and says, like, dude, you got to come. Fucking this priest. The priest and the dad definitely come from the same family because he's just kind of like, Ooh, I'm leaving Korea tonight. Um, sorry. <laughs> so awkward. And the dad just takes it like a cuck and it's just like, okay. <laughs> I say that because it's like, bro endangering your entire family what the fuck is wrong with you and when he gets off the phone that's exactly what the mom says she's like what the fuck is wrong with you he then starts he's and again what i love there there are real resentments in this family like there are real things hiding underneath the surface they never seem to talk about anything and like the dad comes back with like you wanted to move here and you know you've never made him a meal and and stuff like that like you've never respected him but you'll take his money and like the whole dirty laundry is coming Mm -hmm. out i mean again at the same time i'm still on the side of the mom because i just think if you look in the grand scheme of things like taking money is very (laughs) different to endangering entire family (laughs) but you know that's just me um (laughs) So there kind there kind of is a split now between mom and Hyunju and dad Sunwoo and Woojung because uh the mom Hyunju was just looking for somebody to 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 <laughs> get mad at um uh, but she's like yeah I'm leaving too cuz she's like a little cunt I guess like this whole movie does not want us to like her <laughs> <laughs> They do not <laughs> No that'll be very clear later So the the mom threatens to leave with the suitcase and there's all this drama, but then uncle shows up. He did not leave. Well, great. I'm not going to clap for you. That's the bare <laughs> minimum. Okay. Yeah. You get your family. You get a demon possessing your family. Yeah. Go over and help them. Stupid. So he fills them in and he's like, we should all sleep together tonight. He goes outside. Here's a spooky wind. He then gets this, this is little crossy thingy. It, it gets stronger and he prays. And then the gate opens at the neighbor's house. So he goes into the house. (laughs) I love the way you wrote this. It's back to sacrifice central. Business as usual. So he goes into the bedroom 
and we, he finds a rotting corpse with rats crawling all over it. So we get a little flashback, the demon girl's curse, and we get another flashback, the mom of the demon girl stabbed and killed this guy and assumed the neighbor's form. So later, Wujung has to pee, and despite the fact that <laughs> we've just had a, let's call it a mimic moment, and had a time, I mean, in my opinion, this stupid motherfucker leaving by himself, like, they're- I hate him. I like. I actually hate the the priest. I think he's the dumbest idiot, and I get why the exorcism failed because he's stupid. Because why did he leave them immediately and go somewhere by himself? You stupid bitch. This part of the movie will not help you. No. <laughs> at this point, this is where the movie starts getting to be into I'm enraged territory. So later, Wujung <laughs> has to pee, and again, despite the fact that um, you know. Uh, they just talked about this. Nobody will wake him up. And I mean, just the fact that you wouldn't be like Wu Jung, no matter what, you shake somebody and you wake them up. Mm-hmm. Stupid assholes. So he goes and he pees by himself. Of course, Mimic comes by and then has some fun as he's pretending to stab the uncle in the head. I think, again, they don't do a good enough job to distinguish. So you actually kind of get really fucking confused as to what's happening. And they've sort of done this a little bit before because when the neighbor was acting all nice, like we kind of thought that was yeah. the real neighbor, but then he go he gets those like creepy yeah. dead eyes. So th- it is the demon. Yeah. So they've been fucking with us a little bit yeah. before this point. But this, but remember this yeah. part with the stabbing thing, doesn't it remind yes. you of thirst yes. with the, um, Yes, the wife with the knife. Yeah, this this got mixed up with thirst in my head a little bit. So uncle then wakes up. So in the Philippines, the religious club is meeting and they're talking about Satan and exorcisms. We get a lot of interesting English here. I just like (laughs) it. Just gets so clear when they've (laughs) when because they have one guy who it's definitely English is his first language. And listen, English is not everybody's first language, but it just. Sometimes, I think especially in Korean or Japanese movies, they'll have scenes where people are speaking English and it's just like, nobody here knows how to speak English. Like, (laughs) everybody's just reading pronunciations off of a sheet. Come on. And it just kind of takes you out a little bit. This whole scene takes me out. These random characters Mm -hmm. having a fight I don't give a shit about. They say that the devil can take many forms and basically it's trying to make everybody hate each other. So uncles, we get back to uncle. He's like, I gotta perform an exorcism. So he tells Hyunju, oh, can you go get uh, all the religious stuff in the basement? Just do it later. By yourself. Interesting. So then he's like, by the way, uh, Dad, <laughs> Sunwoo is the devil. You know why? I gave everyone holy water, but she's the only one that didn't drink it. And Dad's just kind of like, uh, okay. And he says they must keep an eye on her until Balthazar arrives. Friar Balthazar. He's going to go pick him up. He's like, just got a call from him. I'm going to go pick him up. When he gets to the airport, the Baltzar's like, hey, dude, what's up? Why are you here? And he's like, oh, you you called and said to pick you up. And he's like, I didn't do that. Uncle's now like, oh, shit, now I have to go drive back home. Um, So Hyunju goes into the basement. We now have my least favorite part in the whole movie she gets this you know spooky little scene where oh what's that what's that there what's that there she gets sucked into the furnace burned and 
nobody will remember that she exists as a character for the rest of the film until at the very end when they're like, I think there's somebody missing. <laughs> it. <laughs> Why even have her as a character? Why even have her then? Yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, I think they wanted this scene, but they didn't work. For no. It. And, and, and yeah, you're right. So, so it's sort of at this point, I guess it's when the priest comes yeah, to the I'm house. Like, Fuck this movie. <laughs> this is when, yeah, this is when the movie starts to fall apart. So everything up to that point, really excellent. And then it just falls yeah. apart. So the priests are all heading towards the house. We get a bunch of CGI birds, crows attacking the van. It drives off the road, of course. This is very a la, I saw a movie once called like May the Devil Get You Too or something like that. Um it had a scene really similar to this where somebody possesses somebody as they're driving a priest in a van. I don't know. So dad then remembers, he's like, Oh yeah. Didn't they say Sun Wu was the, uh, the, the devil. And he, and Sun Wu's like, you know, Oh, Hey, I'm going to go uh, close this gate. Don't worry. I'll, I'll go alone. The dad gets scared. So he slams Sun Wu's head into the door and she falls down unconscious. <laughs> And he thinks that Sun Wu's the devil right now. So then we see Uncle wake up in the wreckage of the van, cut back to the house, and Dad's like, "Listen, everybody, we got it. Uh, listen, everybody. By the way, I only remember having one daughter. Um, tying Sun Wu to the bed. <laughs> um, Mom and Wu Jung are are crying because there's we they they hear the sobs of Sun Wu in the bed, being like, "Come on, like please let me out. No one has noticed. Hyunju is gone." Uncle makes it back to the house. He's all fucked up and bloodied. And he tells the dad, he's like, listen, they're all dead. I got to do it. Dad is like, well, you got to, you got to do it. And uncle's like, well, well, actually I, I can't, I can't do it. Dad says, but I help me and my family who I care so much about <laughs> my wife, Sun Woo, I think that's all of them. I care so much about them. Do not leave them now. And nobody has a problem with any of that. So the uncle goes, okay, yeah, I'll help your, your, I forget. Yeah. You only had that one daughter. Well, I got to save your only daughter. You only get one. So, so he does. And he's like, don't worry. No matter how much Sun Wu protests, she's definitely the devil. <laughs> so he puts a cross, he puts some holy water on her. She's just kind of like, Okay. Puts the cross on her chest. She's like, all right. And so then he pulls out all of these switches and starts whipping her and is like, dad, hold the feet. Mom and Wonju are like crying in the corner because they're like, what the fuck is going on? Sunwoo is just sobbing like, stop it, stop it. Why don't you know, you know, that this is me? So then we see an ambulance arrive at the scene. They use the jaws of life and get everyone out of the van. Everyone, including the uncle who has been thrown from the van and is unconscious in the bushes. So we can now see that the priest at home right now is not their uncle. So we, we get back and he has just been going to town on Sun Whoop. The poor thing is bloodied all over. And if you will remember, the mimic stepped on glass and did not bleed. So we, the audience definitely know she ain't the devil. So the mom stops him. She's like, dude, this cannot continue. The dad says, well, they have to. He starts hearing this this whispering, and it's like, you know, you you are a horrible parent, like good for nothing. So then 
he, again, more of this real resentment comes out and he's like, well, you can't be my wife, you know? And this is what I find so also interesting here. There's another just glimmer of good stuff is when he makes the switch to like, well, you can't be her then, you know? And it, mm-hmm. it allows him to be so violent towards her, which he wouldn't be before. And again, I just feel like that's something in everywhere, all everything everywhere all at once that was like really similar to, you know, the mom, the main character kind of thinking that like Jobu was like, well, that's not my daughter though. Like that's, that one's not her though. Like my daughter, Joy wouldn't do that. And I just, I think that's a very human thing to do as well. But yeah, he slams the mom uh, who's a human into the family portrait and her head starts bleeding. So, (laughs) and it, the family portrait shatters. So he turns back to the brother who's just like busting a gut, losing it because this is hilarious. So then we see the fucked up Mary statues, the candle, the room starts getting blue. That's how you know things are really about to get spooky. So the dad tells Wonju to run away. So the uncle goes to stab dad with something until we hear the voice of the real uncle yelling at the demon from the foyer. Again, who's Hyunju? I don't even know what <laughs> noticed who is missing. No, say it like Mariah Carey. I don't know her. <laughs> so then Wu Jung's like, oh yeah, what who is that girl? So then he calls everybody downstairs and he's like points at the oven and they're like <laughs> so Sun Wu staggers downstairs. She's walking with a lot of difficulty and she's like, Dad, why did you do that to me? And he's like, No, I'm sorry. How could I not recognize my daughter? But then the priest is like, reverse Uno, whatever, lifts up this mirror and it's it's she's the demon. She's presented as the demon. She's got demon eye contact lenses, exactly. So priest prays. Then we get the great scene of the deep. So the priest starts crossing and and praying in Latin. And then she just starts praying in Latin right beside him, smiling, you know, like, okay, I can do this too. So (laughs) she then knocks the priest down and these weird wormy things start coming out of her mouth. The dad pours holy water on her back and she starts like, you know, burning up. She, she throws, you know, people across the room. She uses her amazing strength to fuck up her dad, lifts him up one-handed by the neck, and she's like, you all are weak. I will let you worship me for eternity if you want. So <laughs> the uncle then decides, okay, I will get that demon locked inside my body. So that works. So we get the flashes of good memories and images and and demonic memories and whatnot. So uncle looks around for something he can use to kill himself, and he finds a super big crucifix. So he bashes it so that there's a point, wakes up bro, and he's like, kill me. The dad's like, I'm a little bitch, I can't. So the uncle starts vomiting up black blood and turning into demon eyes, you know. Dad uses the crucifix as a shield, but the uncle impales himself. See, at this point, I really was just like, whatever, whatever, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Uncle dies with the demon. Blacksmith escapes the body, you know. It's okay. Dad Wu Jung are upstairs. Mom and Sun Wu are there. Nobody, uh, the, uh, mom and Sun Wu like don't even ask like where Hyunju is either. They just kind of start crying, and then the dad starts crying, and then the uh, we see the uncle kneeling in prayer position with the crucifix stuck in him, and then it fades to black. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I kind of regretted suggesting this movie. Um, no, but the first half really was, was watching, good. I know, it really is good. good. I really love it. I mean, I love the idea of this demon that's able to like possess different people's bodies. And it, how perfect is it to have... It, in the context of this family yes. where you have like scandal and a re- stress from a relocation and like, and then this underlying stuff that comes out about you never prepared a meal for my brother, yeah. but you accepted money from my brother and all this shit that all comes out. And you're right. It is really scary. You know, that little boy actor, like he cries his fucking eyes out, like through this whole thing. But he also, at that breakfast table scene, you know, he's genuinely like, what, why are you doing this? Like, why are you talking to me like this? You can see it all on his face. Like he just feels so confused and betrayed by his mother. And that to me is like way more scary than like, you know, the shit, you know, at the end with all that stuff. It's like that one scene to me was like, felt more effective Mm -hmm. and, and just, you just lose any respect I have for you when your characters make do things that make absolutely no sense. You know, like you're you're bad at writing. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> well, should we see briefly what Letterbox has to say about yeah. it? SMG Satoru gave it five stars and said, "Don't forget to check on your neighbors." <laughs> uh, Haviz Fadila gave it. Five stars and said, mind-blowing. Really genius. Litflix said, five stars. Korea has raised the bar for horror. Okay, they have, but not with this movie. No, not with this one. (laughs) They they, they meant to write that for I Saw the Devil. (laughs) Echo gave it five stars, but still somehow said, why did they have to kill Hyunju, though? So you recognize there's an issue. Why is it a five-star movie, then? (laughs) Great question. That means it's perfect. Swampty gave it four and a half stars and said, It was interesting to watch this soon after the truly dire Conjuring 3, in which demonic powers pack roughly the same punch as an unseated jalapeno pepper. By contrast, Metamorphosis understands that the horror movie version of theological evil is only unsettling if it is truly vicious. And it is wonderful how fucking cruel this movie is. I will agree. Like, I do like, again, like, taking, like, when Hyun, again, it's like, but the lines are so much better than any of the violence, I think, in this movie. Like, the line of Hyunju saying, like, don't you just wish you could, like, kill all, like, the siblings? Like, that's, like, mean, you know? It's ruthless, and I feel like that's more shocking to me. Or it was more shocking to Sunwoo, too, because she was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Joel Huas gave it a half a star and said, one out of ten, one of the worst Korean movies ever. Very amateurish, poor in every sense. I don't think I agree with that because I've seen some major American films. Again, like I think the set design and the makeup and everything, that's not amateur at all. And the acting. And the acting, yeah, the acting was great. Um, it's just the writing. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Gyanin gave it one star and said, Y'all did Hyunju dirty like that. And I agree. Agree. Okay. Ziggy gave it one star and said, there's a lot of bad movies in the world, but this one, worst movie I've ever seen in my life. My mom. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. The worst? The worst? 
just show her the remake of Martyrs and then get back to me. <laughs> or the remake of Pulse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mom, what would be your rating? Oh, gosh. Well, I don't want to say it. Do it. A, a skinned cat. No! <laughs> okay, how many? Uh, three. I think I'll give it three skinned cats, too. Because I think what it does well, it does well. Mm -hmm. But man, does it do a lot of things poorly. And I cannot forgive it for that. <laughs> and it's just sad. It's sad when you see something that starts <laughs> off good and then just gets bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't really yeah. know how that happens because you would think that would happen in the writing process, and someone will go, "Well, before we start rolling, let's resolve some of these problems." Yeah, but that didn't happen. It really did, and we didn't need any of the Philippines stuff. I no. don't understand, like, why that was even part of the story. I really even feel like the uncle could have been way less a part of it. Like that family was enough for me for most mm -hmm. of it, and then. It was almost a two-hour movie anyway. Just cut out all that stuff with, the, like, the uncle, and I bet it'd be a great short film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have had the dad, like, hanging on to his faith and the mother yeah. saying, like, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah, but have the uncle die in the exorcism, but they have to move. Oh, I love that. Because then you get to keep the beginning scene. That's good. Because nobody else expresses any kind of faith. The no. only one who has faith is the uncle, and so he has to be the martyr. But it would have been a whole lot more interesting, I think, if there had been this tension in the family. Or maybe the sisters have that tension. And Hyunju is like, fuck God. Yeah. And Sun Woo is, you know, yeah. like really faithful. I think that would be interesting. More interesting I do, too. Than this. <laughs> do you want to do the rest of the questions or no? Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. What have we learned? Okay, well, if you have a plan, like, let's not let anyone be alone. Stick to the plan. That's the only thing you can do. It just it kills me. Like, this is what kills me in this movie is, like, it'd be one thing if it happened in circumstance, and then it's like, okay, well, now we have to deal with this. But they make the choice. They make the continuous choice to break the rule that they made. <laughs> also, I find it really fascinating that the devil can, like, completely, I mean, I guess if the devil existed, they could do this, but like totally like glamour you and like change like the whole room with all those carcasses and all that shit. Yeah. Like, and okay. But if it's the devil, is the devil performing sacrifices to himself? See, and yeah, the demon is not like fleshed out at all. Yeah. Like what? I mean, we know it's like, I don't know, really strong and it can fuck with your head. Yeah. Is that all it's doing? Fucking with your head with all those like carcasses and shit? I think so. But then it's also like, well, what are you supposed to do? Like, <laughs> they just do that to people? <laughs> also, I mean, I think one skinned cat hanging outside a window is really gross and disturbing. But I mean, if you were a demon, I mean, wouldn't you do something like on a much larger scale? Or, I mean, also with the dad in the in the house, it's like, dog, you didn't have your cell phone? Like, you didn't have your cell phone? You didn't, didn't just, like, snap a picture of all the carcasses up there? That's what I would have oh, done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah, I know. He took a picture of the cat, but he didn't take a picture. I mean, maybe he was just too stunned to yeah. think to take a picture. But I thought about that, too. I'm like, well, you had the presence of mind to take a picture of the cat. You have a phone. Like, you have a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Would you watch it again? I don't think so. I, I think so two two, two is enough. One one was enough. I but I did like watching the the parts. No, I I really do like all the all of these actors. I thought they did a really good job. I really like the guy who plays the dad. Yeah, he's handsome. he's he's in like everything, and mm-hmm. he's he's uh, he's just a joy to watch. Yeah, and I think all the kids did really well too. I mean, Sunwoo was a little flat, but the I mean, character was also flat. Yeah. <laughs> the well, mom the mom is well, kind of great. a big shot yeah oh yeah yeah um she was on she has a theater background and she mm-hmm. i i didn't have really have any trivia for this mm-hmm. so i i wanted to look into the actors and like see you know what was up with them she has a theater background and there was a saturday night live korea show that she was a part of Oh. And one of the actors who's one of the daughters was also um, a part of that. So, That's so cool. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That is neat. I, this is, um, I did look this up because I was curious. What is the percentage of Christians in Korea? What would you think? 25%. Oh my gosh. It's 28%. <laughs> yeah. It's like a lot of Buddhism. Yeah. I, I just, I wonder what it's like to live in a place where there isn't like a bunch of people asking you. Well, there not now, but I just remember just <laughs> I had to interact with a few fucking wackadoos growing up who were just like, "So, don't believe in anything. Why is that?" Like take it as like a personal affront to their own faith. It's like nobody said you can't believe in what you believe in. Go off. <laughs> I never got I never get that. Like if your faith is that strong, why the f- Fuck, does it matter what I think? Aren't I just like a dumb idiot then? Like, go let me be ignorant and bliss, please. Like, just just consign that I'm not one of you and just go on with your day. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite scene and or death? I like the scene on the landing when the the dad's really creepy Mm-hmm. And then, then the real dad comes upstairs and then the mom's really creepy and picks up the like sledgehammer and batters, you know, my guy's arm. It's got to hurt. He's got, she must've shattered a bone in there. Yeah. He's got kind of like a little cast thing. <laughs> yeah. In the movie. <laughs> no, I like that because, uh, I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you unfortunately grew up in a home where there was like alcoholism or one of your parents was a rageaholic or something, you know, I think a lot of people have experienced that that feeling of seeing a parent change into another person. And it is fucking terrifying. So I think they really tapped into that, that idea. And I, I thought that part was, was really effective. So, yeah, I mean, if we could rewrite it and just like leave it in the family, Make it then I that. think it would have been a much stronger film. Yeah. Agreed. I will say my favorite scene is the scene with the mom making Andrew uh, <laughs> cry by eating She is the, really the scary. She's just digging into that. She's like, 
eat it. <laughs> I, I want to cry too. <laughs> he has such a good crying face He's too. So he cute. looks so sad. <laughs> Possessor is a 2020 science fiction psychological horror film written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg. It stars Andrea Reesborough and Christopher Abbott. Reesborough plays an assassin who performs her assignments through possessing the bodies of other individuals, but finds herself fighting to control the body of her current host. Other members of the cast include Rosie Sutherland as Michael, Tuppence Middleton as Ava, Sean Bean as Parse, Jennifer Jason Lee, Mike Wayne, as Gerder, Raul Baneja as Eddie. I don't know if that's how you say your name, Raul. Raul, get in touch. <laughs> Please. Rachel Crawford from Slasher as... Wait. She's like a nurse or a doctor or something. Who is she in Slasher? Brace, second wife. I didn't even recognize her. Oh, I got to go back and look. <laughs> and Christopher Jacket. I did recognize him. I did. I was like, I know that face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize it till I saw the, the credits. I mean, he doesn't do anything. It's really literally like. How do you get that that kind of job? It's like, yeah, you can use my picture. <laughs> yeah. You can credit me in a Brandenburg film. Like, Sure. And Gabrielle Graham as Holly. Do you think that's why? What? Do you think that's how they know? What? Like, do you think Cro Daddy Cronenberg was like, oh, I got some people you should, yeah. you can use. And if they filmed it in Toronto, so they're probably Toronto actors. And yeah, I would think so. Because Jennifer Jason Lee was in a David Cronenberg film in 1999 called Existence. So ah, they're probably like, like that friends or something. To be so. in the Cronenberg circle. Yeah, it must be a nice. A dream. <laughs> uh, it was released January 25th, 2020 at Sundance and October 2, 2020 in the US and Canada. It has a running time of 104 minutes. I have to show you at some point, I had this, I was showing my stream, Christopher Jaco and whoever the woman is, who's like his lesbian equivalent in the show. And I just was... You know who I'm talking about. She's the other woman who who goes. She always plays a, a lesbian and is like balls to the wall. Yeah, time. I don't remember her name. Okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. She's in every season. Right? Yeah, she, and and I just like showed them, and I was like, listen, these two. I'm not going to say that they're good actors, but do they give their all? Yes. <laughs> like, are they passionate? Yes. <laughs> and I will take that over somebody who's boring any day. <laughs> are they good? <laughs> but I like them. <laughs> Before the title card, we get this scene. We see Holly in front of a mirror. She's wearing braids and she's inserting this like thingy into her head. We don't know what it is yet. Then she's smiling and then she's crying. She comes out, she's let her hair down or put on a wig or something. She pauses and looks down at a platter of knives and she 
walks up to, I don't know, Mr. Big Shot and just calmly inserts a knife into the fat man's neck. Then she stabs him about 21 more times. And everyone scatters, of course, because this is insane. She puts her hand into his blood and she's sort of playing with it. And she says, we hear her say, pull me out. She's crying and she can't pull the trigger to kill herself. So she suicides by cop. So she like shoots at the approaching police officers and they shoot her very dead. Then we cut to Voss waking up. She's very distressed and she pukes into a bucket. Somebody says, a man says that brain death by the host body is confirmed. So the link is severed. And then we go to the debrief where Voss is a little out of it. She says she doesn't think she's totally back yet. And there are several objects in front of her. And she has to say which ones are are hers and which ones aren't. So she picks up a pipe. She says, this is my grandfather's pipe. And then she picks up the mounted butterfly. And she says, oh, yeah, this is mine. I killed and mounted this butterfly when I was a little girl and I felt guilty about it. And I still feel guilty about it. Gerder takes her pulse. Gerder is like, I don't know, her supervisor reaches across the table and takes her pulse. It seems like kind of a nurturing gesture, though, right? Like she's kind of, you know, holding her her hand tenderly. Voss says she wants to take some time and she wants to spend time with Michael. Gerder's like, oh, yeah, Michael. And, And Voss goes, isn't he? And she goes, you guys are separated. And she's like, oh, yeah, of course we are. So she doesn't really seem to know what what's up in her own life. But then Gerder says, uh, you told me that you had become a danger to them. And Voss says, did I say that? <sighs> okay, I just got to say, Jennifer Jason Leigh should only play villains. Yeah, she's so good at it. She's so good <laughs> at it. Oh my God. I love this role for her. She's just like so manipulative and she's just so ruthless. Wrong. So wrong. It. I love, I really love this too. And I love the way she's talking to her. Like also the kind of like, you know, don't kind of like presenting all these stressful things you know that will happen if if boss doesn't do like exactly what she wants so it's boss feeling like she's making the decision herself it's just like so good it's so good we see boss um standing outside her own house she's like a i don't know good distance away and she's vaping and she's rehearsing and she's saying hi darling Hi, darling. And she's just, just trying different inflections. And then she she goes into the house and she has dinner with Michael and Ira. Uh, Michael is a, uh, he's a professor of some kind. She has a moment with her son. He tells, the son tells her a silly joke and then demonstrates this doll that he has learned how to program and he can make the doll dance. Okay. I love this joke. Do you remember it? What does a python drink to calm himself? What? Gerbil tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Gerbil a great tea. joke. That is really good. <laughs> so, and she laughs. She seems to genuinely laugh. But then we have a scene with 
her having dinner with she and Michael are having dinner with the friends um, and Michael's going on in this weird tangent and she's just not connecting at all to what's happening. And there are a lot of parallel, there are a couple of parallels between what happens in Voss's life and what happens when she's inhabiting her next host. And one of them is this one where Michael says, I'm sorry, I didn't know they were going to stay so long. And she says, why didn't you ask them to leave? Then they're having sex. And Voss is just like a cold fish. She can't focus. But then when she remembers the knife going into the guy's neck, she comes alive and she like bites her husband's neck. And like now she's really into it. So many like just great little things like that. And I feel like that scene is so good too, because like that particular shot of like, because like there's like stabbing where, you know, you're like, but like that one is so like gentle almost and they they present it with no sound and it's really like startling how they kind of like lull you into it as well until you're kind of like oh my god that's just what i just saw you know and i bet that's like how that intrusive thought must have felt of just like uh (laughs) you know um next we see Voss leaving a voicemail for gerder apologizing She's all got this weird phone, so the tech is is a little weird, and the cars are a little weird. But she's saying that she's ready to come back, and then she lies to her husband, saying that you know work needs her; she's got to go back. And he says, you know, he hates this; he wants her to move back in. And then she sees him standing there with the knife wound, in in you know the the same knife wound from the beginning, but now it's on her husband, and she's just fascinated, and he's like. Uh, Toss, like, are you okay? So she's really out of it. I thought this was kind of sweet. She goes into Ira's room and she smells his hair. And then we have uh, this, another scene with Gerder. Gerder can't take the strain anymore. She needs a replacement, and she's hoping that Tasia will will be that replacement. They're reviewing um, some of the some of the pictures that they took from her last job. I'll talk about the names later, but the the guy that she stabbed was named Matza. And Gerda asked her, why did you use a knife? Like, you were equipped with a gun. And she says, well, it just seemed more in character. And then Gerda says, but whose character? Mm-hmm. She has a new new client, Reed Parse, Christopher Jacket. <laughs> Reed has hired them to kill his father and his sis- half-sister. So that he'll inherit this company from his father. The host is going to be a guy named Colin Tate. He's a former Coke dealer and he's engaged to Ava. Not Ava. His sister. Not (laughs) Ava. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Sean Bean is the CEO of Zuthru, which is the largest data mining operation outside the U.S. And the narrative is that, you know, he's been acting, Colin's been acting weird for a couple of days. And so that's why he cracked and killed these people but the real target is actually zoo through itself because after they do this job then they'll be able to blackmail reed and and get the company (laughs) it's like everything about this organization is just so evil (laughs) yeah so Voss is like you know into it she's like ready um she's got this uh camera and speaker and she's spying on colin and ava uh, talking and she's just like mimicking what Colin is saying. Like before she went into her house. Uh-huh. 
Then we see Colin on oxygen and he's being monitored and we see him being prepped for something. And someone is typing on his Blackberry thing, like, sorry, I was delayed. And it's explained to us that Voss only has three days and she's supposed to calibrate every day. The doctor says this might be a bit of a rough jump. Hmm. And I was wondering why. Mm -hmm. And is it because she's jumping into a man's body? That's what I... Yeah, maybe. I mean, because it would be really weird. <laughs> I mean, it would be like, yeah, you have to contend with all of these. Like, I mean, I guess I can just attest to like, I felt certainly a change in my emotions when I started going on like testosterone. So imagine if you just get plopped into a body that has more testosterone than estrogen, and you've been having a body with mostly estrogen, you'd probably be like, what the fuck? And I feel like she does have that feeling. So, okay. I mean, I guess that's fair. And I really like the shot that I included in the, in the script here where we see her, her face mm -hmm. and it's sort of split down the middle. And there are a lot of splits like this that we see. Um, it's kind of reminds me of Parasite where there were all those lines like, you know, and all those things. But anyway, so, and then this is just really just trippy imagery with like the, the wax figure of her melting and there's like a bunch of flashing images. And then there's sort of the reverse melting wax effect of his face. And and she looks at his hand. I'm, I'm, it's hard to talk about this because she's a woman inhabiting a man's body. Yeah. There's this canted angle that he does a couple of times where it's like, you know, almost like at a 90 degree angle. And then it sweeps back up, moving from right to left. And we see Boss waking up as Colin, and he and she's getting her bearings. Walks to the window, goes in the bathroom, is checking out his muscles and his abs and his dick. I love that. Yeah, me too. I really, really like that. It's realistic. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, people have really made a lot of this. I mean, it's true. We don't see full frontal male nudity. Hardly ever. Yeah. Um, and we, we don't see all of his dick, but we see more than we usually do. Yeah. And I even, I don't know, even that is nice that it's just kind of presented as like a part of his body and not as like the dick, you know? <laughs> and I mean, let's face it. I mean, if, if, I mean, I can, I can totally understand why she would oh, like, want to check it out. 100. <laughs> like, is that not the thing that so many cis men say if they were like, you know, man, if I had tits, I would just, you know, like, come on, we don't, we would all do it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I hadn't noticed the first time I saw this is all the labels on the prescription bottles are backward. Hmm. Oh, uh, that is weird. That's a cool effect. Ava it thinks that he's acting a little strange and he says he's just tired. He's back from some team building thing. But she says that he's gone strange on me. You've gone strange on me. There's a vibrating white ball that we see a couple times. It's just like floating in the air and he reaches out and he catches it. It's it's kind of like, I don't know, like static. It's like not right, you know, in the plane. It's like if there was dust in your computer rendering, it's kind of like, what is this? And Voss has been told to like, you know, make sure to, to check in with Gerda and tell her if there's anything that's like amiss. So then we see lovely Christopher Abbott going to work. He's wearing a blue shirt. Everyone's wearing a blue shirt. And 
in the beginning with Holly and the other mm. hostess, they were also wearing blue. blue and yellow. And the ba- the the uh, walls are like bright, bright mm-hmm. green. So that's a that's just a pretty contrast. And okay, I gotta say, Eddie has the best <laughs> lines really of anyone in this <laughs> movie. After that, imagine <laughs> if this was Seth Rometelli playing him. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh my god! So he's—I don't know—he's talking about some conquest he had over the weekend. He goes, "It was revolting," <laughs> and he says, "I'll never get the sin stain out." <laughs> that is an amazing line. <laughs> then he asks Colin if Colin found time to die with his little head off a side project. Like, damn. So, so apparently. Brandon Cronenberg said this was an alternate 2008. Oh. So we're in an alternate timeline. So some of the language is different. Vaping is a thing? I don't know about vaping. When did people start to vape? I feel like. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if we weren't doing it in the alternate 2008. But that truly, that's what made me feel like it wasn't, that that it was modern. So I was like, oh, everybody's vaping. Weird. Colin is like kind of vague, you know, so boss is like trying to figure out what's going on with this Eddie guy. And he's like, what do you think? And then Eddie says, I always considered it your moral obligation to cut queen the boss's daughter. Another great line. Another (laughs) stellar line from Eddie. Colin sits down at his station and he puts on the VR glasses. Which has got to be weird if you're already basically VRing somebody's body. <laughs> right. Right. So this is like another layer of that. Yeah. And and she does freak out. But first, his job is to look at like curtains and drapes and blinds and stuff because they're doing all this data mining. And they're looking at places like all over the world, Toronto, Anchorage, Australia, and then we get to UK and a guy with a heart on, we see him go down on a woman and Colin is really fascinated. Okay. I wanted to talk about this. Okay. Why is she so fascinated with sex? Hmm. Maybe, maybe it's being in or like having like a penis thing. Like maybe that arousal, maybe that is what his body would do. And she's just like, why am I so like, I'm not trying to say like anybody, you know, with a penis <laughs> is just like, you know, a beast, but like, like, I feel like if you were immediately put into a body that you don't like, you've had a totally different set of genitalia. And now like, maybe she got like a boner and she was just like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, the, the love scene later with Ava is very revealing. Yes. But yeah, I don't think she's into it with her husband at all. Obviously, she can't like get excited unless she's thinking about like sticking a knife in someone's neck. But anyway, the boss like cuts in is like, uh, what's so interesting? (laughs) Take like focus. So I liked this too because in both cases so far, we've seen people in like low status positions. And so it makes sense that they would be chosen as hosts because who cares if a Coke dealer blows his head off, you know, it doesn't matter. Or this like hostess in Holly's case. And I'm not sure if she was a sex worker. I don't really know what her role was. And he's treated like shit here, you know, like when he walks into the building, someone's like, Tate. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ugh. <laughs> it's a horrible environment. Well, and also I feel like it's important to say that he's like spying on people. It's like they're they're taking all this data from people's like cell phone yeah. cameras and like computer webcams. Like that would also be so weird if that was your job. <laughs> he has uh he has a little freak out and sees another one of those vibrating white balls and um rushes out of the place. When he looks at a reflecting surface, we see his face, but then behind him is Voss's face too. So, and then she sees Ira with this weird cross of blood on his cheek. And when he checks in with Girder, we hear both Colin and Voss's voices. And I love that so much. So Girder's like, yeah, your levels just spiked. But Voss is like, no, no, everything's cool. And then we see that really cool side lounge piece of furniture that Girder is on. She's like lying next to like Voss on the mm. table. She's really like a like a like a languid cat or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like it a lot. And that yeah, that furniture piece of furniture just sort of mimics mimics that. It just kind of like yeah. flows like it fits your body really well. Colin trips out a little with his hand under the dryer. You know how your skin sort of like moves around your bones? Because I do that every time that happens. Like, like with a Dyson. <laughs> but I didn't notice this the, the first time either. We get a great shot of that white cross reflection in Colin's eye. Oh, interesting. Then we see Colin. He's doing a little stalker thing, looking in on Michael and Ira. And then we get that can't angle again that we got before. So he goes back to Ava's house and Ava was very worried about him. And she has three friends visiting and he's called by one of them, an absolute ghoul. <laughs> Moira just got a promotion at zoo through and she heard that Colin was on the floor and she's like, why would you want that job? And I liked this. I could really relate to this because I used to work in a really, a really kind of high profile computer software business, but I worked there as a cleaner. I didn't work there as a programmer or something like that. And people would ask me like, why are you doing that job? As if when I went into the interview, I was like, well, I, I could, you know, work at the front office or, you know, I'd love to help with the programming side of things. But you know what I really would love to do? <laughs> so it's just, I mean, we're just seeing the elitism and the difference in class between these people. So patronizing. Yeah. Uh, so one of, one of the friends, Rita, says that she missed him. So it seems like he's... That he, they have history. Yes. Um, and she also says, you know, Ava doesn't mind. That's fine if we fuck around. And then we get this shot. I put it in the notes of the blue light. This time Ava says to Colin, I'm sorry. I didn't know they would stay so long. And then we get in the bedroom, we get more of that blue. Like the room is just bathed in blue. And she says, you seem so deformed these days. And he says, he's fine. And he says, I swear on my life, I'm fine. And then she has a little Coke freak out. <laughs> She's like, that's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> but they tell each other they love each other. Okay, now we get this love scene, which is 
fucking amazing. This is one of the reasons I love film because this this scene is probably less than three minutes long, but you get everything you ever needed to know about boss, you know, in this scene. So at first, Ava's on top and she puts her hand on his throat and then she puts the other hand over his mouth. So he sits up and removes her hands and puts them behind her and he gets on top of her. And back at the lab, Voss is moaning in her little Mm. contraption. So Colin leans away from Ava, but when we go back to the shot, we see it's Voss's face. And there's some flashing images. And we see that Voss has breasts and an erect dick. Colin kisses Ava. I love that scene. Me too. And I I just like how everything in this movie is presented as like... Like this is just kind of presented as like, and this is how she feels. But but it's that that's all it should be sometimes, you know, is just like, and this is how this character feels, mm-hmm. you know, and it's presented like without judgment or without like, you know, just like this, this happened. Also, with Ava being on top and putting her hand on his throat and on his mouth, I think we get that the, the, the nature of their relationship and We've already seen him sort of be like slightly embarrassed by her friends' questions, stupid questions. And he was, I mean, he was their Coke dealer. You know, that's how he he got into this circle of people. So Colin slash Voss checks in with Gerder and they say they feel totally synced with the host. And Gerder says she wants him to recalibrate. And then we get the same echo from before with Holly he smiles and he cries and he smiles. Like then we get the dinner party. Oh boy. This is where it's all supposed to go down. Okay. What the fuck? So, (laughs) (laughs) so Sean Bean is like on a totally, literally on a totally different level from his employees, I guess they're all sitting on these stairs and he's like facing them, but it's like, he's like, uh, king or or like you know a dictator or something and so he's saying this like this all this mishmash about how boredom is uh is is wonderful because it helps us to be creative to boredom they all toast to boredom which i think is fantastic <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so Ava is talking to Colin and she's like, Are you ready to go talk to you know my dad? And he says, uh, he's a good man. And she's like, he's really not. And she, <laughs> she calls him an atrocity. And then she says she's not sure he's even human. Maybe he's just a human-shaped protozoan that feeds off misery. Jesus. So then we have this little scene with Sean Bean belittling him in front of this guy, Boyko. And he's like, yeah, I gave this boy a job and um, I hope it's not too challenging for him. It's and so horrible. Such a dick like, um, to this guy. So later we see Colin, he's wandering around the house. He's got his gin. And then we get this upside down shot, which is kind of cool. It's like his reflection in the pool. And then when, when the, we say the right side up shot. Boss Colin checks in with Gerder 
And she tells him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in a fight with Parse, and I want you to get kicked out publicly. This is like that instilled so much anxiety in me. Like I had to pause it this time around because like, <laughs> if somebody told me that, I'd be like, I quit. <laughs> like there's just no way I could get myself thrown out of an event by being rude. Like gun to my head could not do it. <laughs> <laughs> so then I said Colin is drunk, but then I put acting drunk. He's just acting, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But acting very drunk, like bumping into people and doing a good job goes right up behind parse and just kind of like stands there and he says i feel like you owe me an apology and parse is like you know <laughs> fuck off this fucking guy that's basically what he says to the other guys he's like oh this is like my uh my daughter's boyfriend <laughs> but it escalates very quickly and he pushes one of parse's cronies down on the floor and these people are throwing him out and i love this he goes you think you can step on me i'm a giant i'm a fucking giant yes and he calls ava a bitch Mm -hmm. and okay and if you look at christopher abbott who's like at least six feet tall Mm -hmm. and little andrea reesborough who's like five feet tall yeah i mean she is a fucking giant she must She must feel incredible. <laughs> so outside, he's not drunk at all. He loads the gun. He goes back inside stealthily. And Parson and Ava are talking at a table. And Colin grabs a poker. Ava's going to stay the night at the house and calls her dad a fucking creature and says he's unbearable. Colin then, and she just sort of fucks off somewhere. And then Colin sits down. And Sean Bean is very drunk. The character is very drunk himself. And Parse tells him to get out. Colin, like, calmly sets the gun on the table and just, like, doesn't break eye contact at all. Parse is like, well, I'm going to bed. I'm drunk. And then Colin, like, hits him with the fire poker and then beats him with it. Like, uh, 12, 14 times, like, you know, really is wailing on this guy. And is, like, mouth yeah sticks in his mouth and like twists it so that some teeth are popping out and then sticks the motherfucker in his eyeball i was talking to my friend about this movie today and i'm like i don't know how you do with violence but i think it would be a i think it would i think most people will probably like turn away at least at some point in this scene it's pretty graphic I mean, if you can just like steadily watch this scene, I don't know about you oh. because it's oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> weird. <laughs> weird, huh? <laughs> to be a real weirdo, huh? <laughs> I think I. I don't know how many times I've seen this now, like five or six, but I think every single time, you know, I've like turned away at least like part of this. I think I watched it like more than I ever did this last watch. And I saw the actual like eyeball coming out and it's so cool. It is really cool. I would love to see like how they did all that stuff. Ava comes in, she's freaking out and he just shoots her three times with a gun. Um, there's all this blood all over Parse's face. 
and Colin goes to find Ava and he shoots her dead. And there's this long shot of Colin. And when he shoots her in the back of the head, there's this fountain that kind of goes out from her head, but there's also this blowback that comes out onto him on his white shirt. The D idea here is he's just supposed to put the gun in his mouth, you know, and kill himself so he can get back into Voss's body, but he can't do it. And there are all these flashes and they're oh, so cool. They're like uh, these like shots of their faces being mm-hmm. stuck together and then like being pulled apart. Voss picks up, well, Colin picks up a shard of glass and he stabs himself in the head with it where that thing is inserted in his skull. Voss back at the lab coughs up all this blood and, you know, beep, 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 all these like machines are going off and they're, they've, figured that there's like something wrong with the uh the what do you call whatever it? the thingy is the head thingy there's <laughs> something wrong with it there's been like physical damage to it and we see colin walking and two men seem to be following him oh it's really fortunate that like under this viaduct there's like a bunch of clothes like yeah. in these plastic bags and that they would fit his body perfectly Perfect. but movie magic so Dr. Mellis thinks now that the host is dominant. Mm-hmm. This must be the grace person, Dr. Mellis. Um, and yeah, it is her. And she's like, there's already been like brain damage. Oh yeah. Irreversi- and gr- irreversible damage. Yeah. And Gerder's like, leave her in. All right, Gerder. Yeah. So in the bathroom, Colin pulls the glass out of his skull and there's a bunch of flashes again. And then Gerder calls Tate. And it's like, uh, Mr. Tate, I would like to have a word with you. And there are flashes of the sun and the white cat. Colin goes to Rita. And I love this scene makes up three different stories. (laughs) I really like this scene. I love her acting in it, too. She's great. I was kind of like, okay, you know, (laughs) trying to suss out what's happening. But first, he's like, I did it. I did it so we could be together. And then he's like, I can't remember what the second story is. And then the third story is they attacked me mm-hmm. and I was just, you know, fighting back in self-defense. She's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, but he says, um, Ava and I had a fight. <laughs> Understatement of the century. <laughs> and he's like, can I stay here? And she's going out of town. So she's like, yeah, that's cool for a couple of nights. And then Colin says, I should have stayed with Michael. Oh, and weird. And Rita's like, who the fuck is Michael? So there's like this weird like mixture of the two. I don't know what this means. Sitting on the couch, practicing boss's lines. Oh, yeah. Just sitting on, yeah, sitting on the couch going like, hi, darling. Hi, darling. I'm absolutely starving. Mm-hmm. And then Colin goes to shoot Ava. Um, and then we get one of these Poor split Ava. shots. And um, it's actually Voss who's shooting Ava. What does she do? Nothing. I know. Nothing. Then we get a news report. Par survived. Oh, come on. When I heard that, I was like, come on. The, the daughter <laughs> dies and he's got to live. Come on. But how? I don't know how. He never getting out of that hospital again. Hmm. Well, I mean, Colin sort of has this fantasy that he goes to see him and he's in a wheelchair and that's probably accurate. I mean, Mm, yeah, Eddie, this is great. Eddie comes to Rita's house (laughs) and he's like, 
not cool at all. And Colin's like, you know Rita? And uh, he's like, oh, yep, sure do. And uh, <laughs> this scene is amazing. And he's just like, like, well, you're in trouble, so I have to help you, my friend. <laughs> and he's like, uh, can you get me a drink? And when he turns around, Eddie uses a stun gun on him. Genius. And then we see a bunch of electronic stuff, and Eddie's setting up all these machines to work on Colin. And Eddie tells Voss that he's temporarily suppressed the host's will, and that he's a plant. He's like a double agent. And he actually, like, found Tate you know, to be the host. Oh. So Voss. And he's like, big fan, big fan. Oh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> which he's just like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like the worst time. And it's a weird thing to say, because then Voss is like, kill me with this gun. And he goes, yeah. he goes, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I can't. This why is this needs to be Seth Romatelli. Can you imagine? He was like, I'm, I'm a Christian. I can't. <laughs> But he says also, you know, it has to look like a suicide. And he sort of does this thing where he's like trying to make sure that, you know, everything's working okay in his brain. And he's like, is this a fox or, you know, a duck? And anyway, gives him this little test and he gets all of them right. And he goes, well, you're seeing all the right animals, as they say. I love the idea that the person inhabiting this guy is like kind of the exact same guy for some reason. <laughs> like, would be the guy around Voss's office who's like, "What did you get up to, Tiger?" <laughs> and they're like, "Um, murder." A- <laughs> like, he's like, "Oh yeah, tough break." <laughs> so we see, we see. Uh, this is really cool. So we see, like, as. Eddie is like doing this little switch thing. First, we see Colin's body on the bed, and then we see Voss's body on the bed, and then we see, you know, they do that a couple times. Then we see Voss on the bed, and then we see Colin, motherfucker, coming into the room and around to Voss on top of her and starts to choke her. I, this is like my favorite scene. Oh, it's so good. And this is the part, your favorite part, where he pops her head. It's like a it's like they've got this thing that looks like a balloon and he's like putting his hands on her head and then it just like, you know, g- crinkles and I just love like that baby Cronenberg's like I don't know that he has just like a similar sense of like fucked up forms and and stuff and um playing with like physics like that. And then I love all the scenes next of like him wearing like the creepy mask of like her face. Oh, it's so good. It is really cool. Um, then we just get, he, so yeah, he pops her head and he takes this mask and he puts it on and we see these series of flashes. So the boss mask is smelling Ira's hair and boss mask is having sex with Michael. And um, then we see the shot of again and Colin's in the mask but then like pulls all the flesh apart. And this is just so good. Cause it's like, this is truly the movie doesn't really even settle or like sit too long with how, how horrific this concept is, is that somebody could just possess you and make you do something and make you take the fall for something you would never do. And how for the people like in Voss's life, you know, 
or like I just feel like the scenes depicting him wearing the her face mask it's like that kind of is what you are if you are a doppelganger you know is like that's what somebody who's close to that person would see is just like you're you but you're like not you you're this is wrong and I feel like that's just such a good way to depict that because it's so horrible to look at but I feel like the movie doesn't this is the first time it's kind of really delving into the like but isn't this so fucked up (laughs) like because even when Ava was like you know kind of like you're kind of acting weird it's not the same as like no this person is like not the person you know that's so scary yeah so Colin wakes up, he's covered in blood, and he's got his gun to his throat, his own throat. We have this like kind of like switch switch back and forth between Voss and Colin, and we realize that they're fighting for control inside the body. So he realizes Eddie's dead, and then he realizes fucking Rita's dead in the shower. And then he starts yelling, you bitch! You know, um, and then he does this whole thing with do it, do it, do it. And he's got the gun to his to his temple, but the gun slips and he shoots the mirror. That's nice. And then he's sort of laugh crying and we see flashes. And then but then there's flashes of the house and he sort of like startles like I know what to do. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Colin is saying, hi, darling, and like practicing outside the house. And Gerter hears boss doing that. So now we see Colin walking toward the house and he's practicing and vaping and looking at the house and Ira appears, the little boy, or should I say in quotes, Ira, but Michael, and this is a little bit creepy. I mean, it's weird because it's Voss, but it's this man um, saying like, I think I know you from somewhere. And like, is that your house? And so Michael calls him in and then later that night, I guess he's always been standing there all day. A la Peeping Tom. Yeah. I know. I, that's right. <laughs> I was trying to think of that. Colin rings the bell and he, he's doing this like weird persistent knocking thing that he does. He says he's a friend of Tass and Michael's just like, well, she's not here. So I don't know what you want. And it's the middle of the night. like. And But he breaks in and he 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 subdues Michael. And then there's this great speech about... Yes. What is that called? Toxic plasmosis? Yeah, yeah. Where he's like the what you can potentially get from scooping a cat's poop. Yeah, so first he's like, Do you ever think of your wife as a predator? And then he's like, just imagine he goes through this whole toxic plasmosis thing of like the parasite, you know, taking over the wife's body and then you don't know if you're married to the your wife or the worm. <sighs> Love I love that whole bit. Because also it's like, this is in, like, on a, upon second viewing, I mean, like, poor poor Michael, this is kind of what has happened to him. Like, it's what, uh, what's her name? Ger- Gertie? Gerter. Gerter. Gerter kind of did to her. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know who she was to even take on this job, but presumably at one point she was normal enough to raise a son with this guy and, like, and now she must she must have been coming home every single time kind of like a little bit of a different person and that's so interesting yeah it's a really cool it's really cool how they play with this whole idea so now colin is shouting come out or i'll do it and he's going to shoot um michael 
And then, you know, it's kind of blurry. And there's this conversation between Tass and Colin. And she's saying that he's in control. And he's like, I don't really feel in control. And then she's like, what about your poor, sweet Ava? And he's like, I didn't do that. You know, and then she goes, oh, poor Michael. I loved him, too. But I'm not sure it was me. Colin is like, well, fix this or I'm going to kill this dude. And uh, Michael shoves Colin away. Colin grabs like a cleaver um, as Michael reaches for the gun. But Colin slices off some of Michael's fingers. And then they like unfurl on the floor, which is so cool. I love that. Sticks his gun in his mouth and Colin Voss says, pull me out, but can't do it again. And I love the way they show this, like he's stomping on the floor, like, come on, like, just do it, crying. And then somebody stabs him in the neck. And it's Ira. And he whirls around and shoots him. Like, as soon as it happens. Then we see... We see it shifting back to Voss, who's like screaming and shouting and like emptying the gun into Ira. So then Ira's on the floor. Colin's on the floor. Ira says, pull me out. And we realize that Girder has taken over Ira's body. And the blood spill from Ira meets the blood spill from Colin. And I thought it looked like a heart shape, but other people are saying it's the butterfly. Ah, uh, yeah. Back at the lab, Gerner and Voss get uh, out from the masks. You know, we okay, yes, for sure it was Gerner. And then we're in the debrief room, and this is the last scene in the movie. So Voss identifies the pipe in a monotone, and Voss identifies the butterfly. And she says that she killed and mounted it one summer when I was a little girl. But she doesn't say she felt guilty about it. And here's something I didn't notice until this viewing. And you might have to like make that image bigger. But it's a red butterfly, but it's got these little yellow dots on the lower part of the butterfly. And all the flashes have been like, you know, yellow and red. Mm -hmm. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come the fuck on! I mean... <laughs> I, okay, so I said last... I said recently that I thought Everything Everywhere All at Once was a perfect movie mm -hmm. for my sister. This is the perfect movie for, for me. You. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I get kind of a trip out on words sometimes. So I was thinking these names are really weird. So I looked up, you know, do these names mean anything? Well, but um, the first guy who's killed is named Elio Matza. The name Elio means sun or sunshine. Matza is like a club or a bat. A boiko, one of the cronies, means battle. This is a word that's in, uh, it's also a name, but it's in Ukrainian, Polish, and Russian. Okay, this is the best. Tasya is a variation of the Russian name Anastasia. Ooh. Which means one who will be reborn. Come on. Come on. I mean, come on. So I just want to talk about some of the themes too. So obviously we have personal identity. 
invasion of privacy, the dehumanization and violence inherent in capitalism, work-life balance. (laughs) Yeah, lack thereof. (laughs) And I sort of mentioned before the commentary on the value of human life in terms Mm -hmm. of the hosts that they choose. And I just uh, also, you know, some people have pointed out that it's sort of like the Italian movies in the 60s and 70s, the Giallo films, which have like a lot of bright colors, like you saw Suspiria. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then that one scene with Eddie reminds me a lot of the original Total Recall, mm-hmm. you know, with the bead of sweat. What does Letterboxd have to say about it? Well, Super Double A gave it a half star. Oh pretentious and unnecessarily disgusting too bad because it had a real good premise they should have focused on the female character instead of making that bootleg john snow the focus with whom we had no connection whatsoever and why was everyone vaping what was that all about (laughs) it's okay solid solid question um (laughs) at the end there bootleg john snow i do not think they look anything alike I mean, a lot of people think that, but I don't think so either. I think they both have curly brown hair. And, like, brown eyes, but... That's it? Ryan gave it a half star. I can't abide depictions of gruesome, bloody violence against small children in an entertainment. This ruined my day. Okay, boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> but then Ryan said, some very good acting, though. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, it isn't I, real. <laughs> well, Ira is dead, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you is like, it's like, oh, you know what? The stabbing in the neck that was okay, and you know what? <laughs> the the scooping out of the eyeball and the teeth, you know what? That was fine. Shooting your loved one in the back three times and a random girl that's out that's actually okay, also. And I, but a kid, it's like. You just shouldn't watch violence. Like, I don't know. I totally agree. I I think it's a bold choice to kill a kid in a movie. I think so too. And I think that they did it in a way that was, I mean, it's not presented as like, and this is something you should do. Like, it's presented as something, an atrocity. (laughs) And it's like, particular to that one character. Yeah. It's 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 not not like like she's targeting children around the world. (laughs) Maria... Quarantino gave it a half star as we coast through two hours of a terrible knockoff of under the skin. Shut up. (laughs) Walmart Tilda Swinton. Excuse me. (laughs) Possesses Marnie's boyfriend. And I can't help but think I thought the black mirror fad ended three years ago. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) This was as bland as the city it was filmed in Toronto. Why are you so boring? (laughs) Bro, that just seems really mean why'd and unnecessary. Bring, yeah, why'd you have to bring Toronto into it? <laughs> All right, but Laura M gave it five stars. Holy crap, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen and is moving up to my top 10 horror favorites. I think it's important to go into this blind, but I'll just say it is so beautiful, breathtaking, and mind blowing. Agreed. Totally agree. The Goat Lord gave it five stars. You ever feel like someone scraped your brain to make the perfect movie for you? You. <laughs> Me. So I, I guess 
the goat lord we are one okay <laughs> great thought. best best review i've ever seen for anything k-s-t-r-d-r says gore and cocks <laughs> how would we rate this should we rate it in fire pokers uh yes okay and i think we're gonna disagree but it's okay okay. i'm gonna just give it Mm -hmm. four fire pokers but that's just me okay how about (laughs) why (laughs) um i just feel like i did not Because the first time I watched it, it actually didn't connect with me as much. I liked it better the second time. You know, I'll go to four (laughs) and a half. It's just not for, just for me. They scraped your brain, but they forgot to put some of mine in there. (laughs) No, they did put some of mine, but I I don't know. It just, there, there was just something that I didn't completely like connect with in the, in the same way, especially seeing how much you like it. Like, I just know that I don't think I like it as much as you, but I love how much you like it. That makes me like it more. <laughs> yeah. No, I, lo- I fucking love this. This is five for sure. <laughs> no question. Matt, yeah. do you feel like you've seen a movie that was made like perfectly for you? I feel like I've thought that before, but I can't think of it right now. I mean, I really do like Dead Set. That It's not a movie, but that TV show, that zombie TV show. Yeah. Sometimes that... It like just scratches my trashy like reality show plus horror vibe, just like nothing else does. <laughs> uh, what have we learned from this movie, Matt? Um, maybe you know, check in, <laughs> check in. You know, they they did say, hey, if you see anything, say something. Maybe she should have said something mm-hmm. the first time that something went bad. Maybe she should have quit. Oh, yeah. You probably don't quit that line of work. You probably get killed. You know, clearly, hey, don't don't let your work literally ruin your relationships because they will be ruined when they're dead. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad for that family. I know. They didn't deserve that. Well, no, they I don't did know about not boss, deserve but like, that. Michael and Ira did not deserve that. Also, I feel like, okay. I did give it five stars, but the only quibble I have with it is when the very first part where Ava's like, what's up with you? Like, you're acting really weird. Like, I really, I'm not, I'm not convinced that you would go along with it. I mean, unless they only like have known each other a couple of months or something. But I mean, I feel like I know my boyfriend's speech patterns and the words he uses and <laughs> you know the way he touches me Maybe so i don't possessed. you know that's a little hard to believe so that's the only thing i would say i mean you just have to go with it and just but but i would say if your loved one is acting um significantly different mm. <laughs> they might be possessed i don't know who to call in that situation you're just fucked <laughs> That would be cool. I think it'd be interesting if yes. she had like somehow gotten him Definitely. to a doctor's office. I think that would be cool. And, like the the little proby thing had been discovered. I don't know. So in terms of trivia, most of the special effects in the film were done practically with an effort to use as little VFX work as possible. The hallucination scenes effects in particular were done in camera. 
In Brandon Cronenberg's home country of Canada, the film set to premiere in October 2020 is the uncut version, with a rating of 18A. There were edits made to remove a few minutes of sex and violence in order to achieve an R rating in the United States. Hulu has the uncut version. And that's what I watched. Yes, me too. In the original script, Brandon Cronenberg did not write the character of Holly as belonging to any specific race. Gabrielle Graham's audition for the role impressed him greatly, which led him to cast her right away. In an interview with Sci-Fi, he elaborates, Graham really just nailed the subtle, nuanced, and emotional aspects of that sequence, so I cast her for that reason. Obviously, if that character is Black, you can read that scene as saying the corporation has the other layer to their actions in scapegoating her, and especially in the current context, that becomes more relevant. Good answer. Brenda Cronenberg said he originally wrote the scene in which Voss has sex with the intention of showing Voss as having a penis, but subsequently edited the script, knowing some actors would not feel comfortable with it. Upon casting Andrea Reesborough, the two had a conversation during which Reesborough suggested the idea of Voss having male genitalia, which delighted Cronenberg and made him feel like she was reading his mind. The scene was rewritten back to its original form, and what is seen on the film is what Cronenberg initially envisioned. I'm so glad. Well, I'm so glad she said something, because I feel like that really adds a great layer to it. Me too. And there was um, one other thing that I read or or heard him say that um, when he was doing a bunch of press for his original film, he felt like he had to put on this persona to like do interviews and stuff. And so that's sort of like where this was kicking around in his head, the idea of like, you know, putting on a persona, acting like someone else. And, and I think we all kind of do that, you know, in different ways. And the whole um, rehearsing thing, I can totally relate to. Not so much anymore, but when I was a kid, I would literally write out what I was going to say, like to an adult, that or to a stranger. And have you heard this story before, Mac? Where I was like checking in for a doctor's appointment. So I I wrote the whole script out about what I was going to say, and then I practiced it and practiced it and practiced it as I was like walking up to the desk to survive. And then I said it. And he goes, that sounded rehearsed. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I mean, I think when you have social anxiety disorder, and I didn't have the vocabulary for that when I was a kid, but I, mean, you know, I think you know, you you do these sort of things just to sort of like amp yourself it's up, necessary, yeah, so I that think. you can, yeah, survive some- and not have a panic attack every time you have to interact with someone. Yeah. So I, I, that's what I kind of thought of, like, with all that practicing. Should I shut it down, Mac? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode and for all your support. It means the world of horror to us truly. Next time, it's Mac's pick of genre, and Mac has chosen witches. We will be looking at Black Sunday from Italy and The Witch from the U.S. We also want to let you know to look out for some minis that I'm going to be dropping into your feed. These will be 20 to 40 minute eps on classic, before the year 2000, international horror movies. We would welcome your support in the form of a five-star review or thumbs up on your preferred listening platform. Please also feel free to email us at worldofhorror96 at gmail.com. Find us on World of Horror Podcast on Instagram and World of Horror 3 on Twitter. We are also on YouTube and Facebook. Mac, what would you like to plug? Hey, uh, well, I stream on Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash thegaygimmybuffett. Remember, Wohos, we love you. 
and don't go into the basement.